Hello, Dave. On this week's episode, when Dr. Dave Bowman and other astronauts are sent on a mysterious mission, their ship's computer system, HAL, begins to display increasingly strange behavior, leading up to a tense showdown between man and machine that results in a mind-bending trek through space and time. This is Movie Time Machine. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and live them in the present. This week's movie, 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick, released in the year 1968. Before we get into our movie discussion, I want to introduce you to today's Movie Time Machine panel. Hey, this is Jamie. I just got caught up on Bohemian Rhapsody. The movie itself is not very good, but Rami Malek is, and I love Queen. So, there you go. Hey, Casey here. Uh, My wife and I are actually just finishing The Office. We'd never seen the last few seasons of it, so we finally wrapped that up. Hey, this is Chris. I just finished The Witcher on Netflix, which I thought was decent. Uh, Throw a penny to your Witcher. And then just started uh, the very first episode of Succession, and uh, I enjoyed it. A little bit hard to watch some of the scenes, but all in all, I'm intrigued, so I'll keep going. All right, and this is your host, Chad, and I just wrapped up the season of The Watchmen, and which I think is probably one of the best seasons, at least maybe on HBO, that I have seen maybe like top five ever. So, highly. Do you see Ballers? I love Ballers. Really? <laughs> I really do. Man, yin and yang. I watched the first episode <laughs> on a plane. Titties in the first 15 minutes had to turn it off. <laughs> it is my junk food show. I can't help it. <laughs> it's your McDonald's. It is. All right. Before we get into our movie discussion, I just want to remind you all that new episodes will drop every Friday on most podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please leave a review for us um, Apple Podcast, And you can also follow us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod. You can send us a message if you have any comments or questions that you want us to read on the show. Uh, just to give you some homework for the next two episodes, we will be reviewing Full Metal Jacket and, and The Shining. All right, and now on to the show. We're going to do a quick movie discussion and review of the film 2001 A Space Odyssey. Maybe not so quick. Um, then after that, we're going to have another versus segment. We're going to talk about practical versus CGI effects. So 2001 A Space Odyssey, I can already tell, is Chris's favorite, but... <laughs> uh, Jamie, why don't you go first? Tell us uh, what you oh, think. Or about 2001. Yeah. So I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was in a friend's basement, Colorado high schooler, and I won't out him on this podcast, but there was a lot of marijuana that was smoked before the first marijuana of cigarettes. Film. Marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> and I think that... Those are American spirits, right? That's right. <laughs> it is the American spirit. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the high school thing. Uh, you know, old movie that's supposed to be super trippy about space. What else are you supposed to do in Colorado? Um, and I, I do remember the film fondly for that. And, you know, I, drugs or no, I mean, honestly, I don't think it needs it. Rewatching it, there's a lot of very, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? When something's super lofty intellectually, maybe intellectually, that's the word. 
But mm. I don't know. We're going to space. We're going to the dawn of man. We're going beyond <laughs> the dawn of man. And I, I really love it. It's um, a, thi- a thinking person's film. But at the same time, it's super watchable. All the special effects. Um, I don't recognize a single actor. And that's just fine, too. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you don't recognize the actors. But damn, the acting is really incredible. Cool. Superb, yeah. 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 No, I, I love this movie. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a space junkie. I love all things space. So when when it was kind of proposed that we we're gonna watch this and kind of analyze it, I was actually really excited because it's been on a short list of classics, quote unquote classics that um, I hadn't seen that I that I wanted to give a watch to. So um, really glad I watched it. I, I kind of want to break it down into the three acts, right? You've got Act One, Donna Man. Act Two um, is kind of the shuttle to the moon, talking through the the monolith, and then Act Three is kind of the big trip to Jupiter. Um, act one, uh, a little slow. Uh, it took me a little bit to really engage with it. There was a little too many panning scenes of, of the desolate world that these apes were living in. Um, but once they started getting into it, I, I thought it was a really fascinating way to tell that story. And I normally I'm pretty dumb when it comes to movies. I miss a lot of the imagery um, and maybe some of the themes that they're trying to point out. And, and clearly I didn't catch everything, but I thought it, it presented kind of this idea of the monolith providing that intelligence. Uh, I, that was all super well, uh, super well laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, and funnily enough, it's, you know, these apes without tools living with their food source finally realizes how to eat their food source. So it was great. Right. Um, so, but other than that, there was a little bit, there was a little bit of uh, a slowness to it. Um, act two felt the same a little bit um, in some of the early like shuttle scenes where we're, you know, watching slow pans of the space and things of that nature. Um, the but spaceship then, is landing in the yeah, space station. exactly. The spaceship is landing for like in twenty the minutes. Space yeah, um, but then Act Three made everything worth it, in my opinion. I thought from the spaceship in Jupiter onwards uh, was just phenomenal. The tension, the storytelling. Um, I don't even know. I can't even remember really hearing much music, and I think the silence of space and the silence of some of those scenes really just added to kind of the creepy factor of it and the tension. Um, like overall, in the spacesuit. I'm mean, sorry, I didn't mean to the like, cut you off, but the, the breathing, breathing, and that's oh, all yeah. you have, and that's when there's like no music. Yes, just the breathing is like that is so awesome. Yes, so and and awesome. it was as weird as it was to see you know the dude uh, you know pop his hose off and flail off into space, but watching him just die in silence was even more creepy than yeah. had there been mm-hmm. you know yeah. a calm into his suit where he's like, "Whoa, I'm dying." Right. Uh, right. Just the fact that he just floated off away, um, I thought that was brilliant. So overall. Um, this is a movie that I, I think I will watch again, and I will watch in a basement with some friends. <laughs> uh, to give that, I'll give that a try. Um, but no, super. Uh, again, uh, I love all things space, um, so I really liked it. However, uh, you know, I think Christopher Nolan's probably pissed about how much Kubrick stole <laughs> right. from Interstellar. I mean, straight rip off of Interstellar. Am totally, I right? Totally. Less McConaughey, but yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> Overall, it was all right, all right, all right. <laughs> McConaughey breaks out of the monolith. <laughs> it was him the whole time. Method acting. Right. Method I think acting. I think you're right, Casey, about Donna Man. I did forget about that. I was watching with Asshole. my... Time Sorry, for I'm bed. Just... <laughs> I, I was watching with my wife, and I'm not mistaken, this was a direct quote. Cool movie, bro. And then she fell asleep because she's eight months pregnant. Ditto. My wife also <laughs> went to bed shortly after with her baby in tow, in her belly. I guess I will share my thoughts. So one thing I just wanted to to call out was how excited I was. Like I've seen a handful of Kubrick films, The Shining, 
um, Full Metal Jacket, um, Clockwork Orange, and I've really enjoyed them. And like I've, I have wanted to to take the opportunity to delve deeper into like some of his films. Um, and so like I was really excited to see this movie. When you look on IMDb, like they have it has super high ratings and Rotten Tomatoes and all of that. Um, as I I think back to like my experience watching this movie. I would go like I would agree with you, Casey, in a lot of ways that I felt like there was a lot of shots that were that were really long in that there was a lot of shots that like in in parts of the movie that that felt um, just slow. Uh, I agree. I, I think the what the dawn of time um, yeah, felt really man. slow. Um I also thought, like, you know, if we look at the it broken up into the acts, like, act two also felt really slow. And, like, part of me thinks that that was purposeful because I think he was trying to show the monotony of, like, what a day-to-day... Like, space travel's routine now. Yeah, it's routine and it's slow and, like, it's boring, right? Like, they're just walking that, like, circle over and over and like he's working out and like trying to do his whatever like and i just i think like he was trying to show that it does become routine it becomes monotonous and it becomes and it is boring right like you're you're however many months or years you're taking to get to the moon or get to wherever um and so i think like though we get the instructions how to use a space toy yeah that's great yeah then the food pouches yeah yeah (laughs) um but to me like i i recognize what it was in the the purpose but i i really felt like the shots were too long i felt like everything was just like could have shaved 20 minutes easily Mm -hmm. easily off this movie um i would disagree yeah that sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) did you when you were watching it now let me i watched it on a tv in my upstairs area so not you know a nice big tv um with both my wife and child sleeping, so with the volume down, subtitles on. So to me, it wasn't a full immersive experience, so mm-hmm. I don't think I gave it the shot that it, it deserved. Yeah. I think it needs yeah. full surround, big screen, lights off. I, think, I would I say think... not even a big screen, because I, sure, I, but... I watched it a couple times on my phone, just on the bus with headphones. But I, I think the headphones helped. I would also it's, think it's, that the experience in like a theater would be sure. drastically different. I don't think um, you need that, though. Like. I think it's but I think just, it's all of those things: yeah, darkness, right, yeah. sound. All, yeah. So right. you you almost had it minus the screen, but I guess you can right. hold your phone yeah. close enough. Right. Well, I mean, in the movies, they screen with orchestras. Like yeah. you know, this would be yeah. a great one for you know they'll play Ooh. Harry Potter with a full yeah. orchestra. Yeah. This would really be cool. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. But so I I do think that there were there were a lot of shots that like were too long in little pieces. Um, I also agree. Like I think the honestly like. I struggled even with the third act a little bit. Like that is uh, similarly to Casey. Like that is, in my opinion, what was the best. In particular, the the scene where you see his friend go. He has to find him. Hal's not letting him in. All of that kind of stuff. And like you, there's a little bit of of the the jokes between Hal and and Dave as he's like walking to go turn him off. And like Hal's trying to like say like oh no this is a misunderstanding don't do this and like all that and like that to me was that entire shot was amazing but even that there were like moments that were just too long like him like how many of those uh like power cores or whatever they are that he was undoing as he as how was slowly dying like in my opinion that could have been like 30 seconds to it like a minute less um 
in I don't know. Would so, thirty seconds or a minute make that big of a difference? It probably could have been I like, agree with you on the probably other could have things. been like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Three minutes. I'm sorry. Thank you for calling me out on that. But like it it was a really long scene that I felt like it just was wasn't necessary and I don't feel like it added to my experience that much. Like I think that could have been tightened up. Um but yeah, I mean going back to the idea of you know, you were talking, Casey, I would watch it again. I think you also had said, like, this was your second or third time watching it, seeing mm-hmm. it. Um, like, I feel like I'm okay. Like, I've seen it once. I don't know that I would go back to it. Like, because it just, it struggled to hold my attention for a vast majority of it until, like, the very last 45 to 30 minutes. I saw the cheetah up on your screen, Chad. How did they shoot that scene? Because that's a guy in a monkey suit getting attacked by a cheetah, right? Yeah, that was a real okay. cheetah on scene. A real cheetah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had somebody on standby with the tranquilizer dart ready what? in case. Yeah. <laughs> then that like was... the scene with like the zebra was like a actual dead horse that they found, and they painted the stripes <laughs> on it. And they're saying like, "Oh, what like, a way to go!" <laughs> yeah. After a couple of days, it started getting really smelly. Smelly. Or I was actually going to the day. I was going to call that, that was, out. The, sorry, but think about it. If that that first act is all shot inside a studio, was not outside. Whoa! Which is yeah, they did some crazy like um, tricks to because I didn't. It I noticed like some of the background like looked kind of weird, like some like hor- like the size of the screen, like the images look kind of blurry. I was like, well, maybe that's just like the. I don't know, something to do with the remaster of the film. But, yeah, they took, like, well, first of all, Kubrick hates flying. Oh. It's kind of like John Madden. And uh, and he can't take a bus to Africa. Nope. So he was having photographers go to Africa, take these images. He would get the images back. Then he would have, like, the, the grid or make a grid on these images and be like, oh, uh, I want to uh, get more if you go a little bit to the left of section C3 or whatever on this grid. They would send, once he finally got the images that he wanted, they made like these glass plates of them. Yeah. And they projected light through these plates and they shined them on the background. That's Look it nuts. up. I that's mean, nuts. I think it was one of the videos I share with you guys. Yeah. There's a, for the listeners, there's um, Cinema Tyler, I think, is the YouTube channel. Could we put the, uh, could we put the links put the, in the, we'll the, in the description? That's, that's a brilliant In the idea. notes, yeah. What a smart idea, Chris. Put links in the description. Number three today. <laughs> yes. Yes, I would definitely say check out Cinema Tyler. He or this person did like, I think, 10, a 10 parts. I thought it was only two videos. But it was like 10 different videos on the making of, That's what I'm uh, watching. of this film. But it's really cool, like the tricks that they did to uh, do the entire first act that Donna Man And they used mimes like the, that were the, like, the ape. Oh, really? Men. Yeah. I was actually, that was one of the things that I was most impressed with was the, for being a film from 68, the, the costumes and effects for the, for the apes themselves. Like I didn't see, you know, you see Planet of the Apes, which came out after, right? And even then you see a lot of cracks where the, the prosthetics are maybe not fully attached in the right spot or they didn't blend it well. Um, I don't recall any of those uh, being, I didn't notice any of that stuff during that. It didn't break immersion at all. No, there's one close up where you see his eyes go like left to right, but they're still, you know, um, what's the word? Like early humans. So you don't yeah. think twice either. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. It was really, really well done. Chad, what did you think of this movie? I had first to be honest when, uh, well, the first time I watched this was, I think the first time I watched it was like on an old CRT. Nice. 
TV, so it's it's been a while since I watched this film, and I think when we selected this film to watch, I was kind of like, oh man, this is a long film. It's really boring. But I was like, I'm going to give it a chance. And man, like, I was wrong. Like, this movie is, there's so much I miss. There's so much I love about this film now. Even like, I love each act. I mean, you know, some more than others. I really, I, I used to hate the Donna Man's part. And it's like, you get, you get 29 minutes into the movie before you yeah. actually get any lines of dialogue. And I knew that you're going to love this, Chris. <laughs> but, but, um, I was like, yeah, I love the Donna Man's stuff. Like, the score really drives this film for me. And I think this is where it is something like if you can't have like us watch this film, like on like a, with a sound system or something like that, use headphones yeah, something yeah. like that, because just the auditory experience and just the atmosphere that it creates. Well, one of the things really... to the score that I yeah. thought was weird was the first few songs I remember hearing were just classical songs. Yeah. Everything yeah. is. So th- yeah. that was a note I took, like did people not score their own film or was that an artistic thing you went with? What, to use classical well, things that were already existing. These were these were just like he would listen to classical pieces while he was like doing the edit. Sure. But somebody else was creating a score for the film. Then, then Kubrick was like, "Oh, I actually really like this." <laughs> and it was finally just like, "We're not going to use any of that score that's created." <laughs> so you can there's a score for 2001 that wasn't in the movie. What? That's nuts. Yeah. Well, Chad, okay. As a Star Wars fan, Mm. did you recognize the pod that was going to and from the moon? Yeah, it's the back thrusters. It's in what is it? It's in It's in New Hope, Hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's in the before they go into the cantina, right? It's on Yeah, it's the one that R2 and C three PO take, right? At least from the back, it looked the exact same with the four thrusters, you know? What oh wait, I'm thinking you're talking about the EVA. The, Could the be. robot arms? Fucking nerds. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> but I thought you were going to talk about, um, speaking of Star Wars, is that um, Lucas originally wanted to use classical pieces to score A New Hope. Oh. And I wonder if like he was somehow influenced by, like he obviously was influenced by right. 2001. And he originally thought that Star Wars was going to bomb because he was like, there's no way that this movie is going to be better than... 2001. 2001 Space Odyssey, yeah. Well, and speaking of that too, the the and I, I made the joke about it. I think earlier how uh, Chris Nolan's probably pissed about ripping off Interstellar, <laughs> but I, and I, and Interstellar admittedly is one of my favorite films. I had no idea how much he had to have been influenced by this. Specifically, the docking scene is that not exactly the Interstellar yes, after yeah. post. Well, not that kind of docking, you disgusting human. <laughs> no, the scene, like, literally they showed that the th- the two ships had to start spinning at the right way. That's exactly right. that yep. scene from Interstellar. Right. Yep. And even even the kind of the whole story itself, traveling far from Earth based on messages from another being or some other, right? In Interstellar, there was a, a wormhole opened by some other beings by yep. Saturn. Right. Yep. And to that point, originally, Saturn was supposed to be the destination Again, nerd looking up stuff about the movie. Saturn was supposed to be the destination instead of Jupiter, but they couldn't render Saturn rings well enough on film. Yeah, it didn't so Cooper right. said, "No, nah, fuck it. We'll we'll just go to Jupiter then." Right. They were supposed to divert. So Saturn being another uh, uh, another commonality between the two, and then again, like reaching this other world and figuring out all these. They were sent there essentially by messages from other beings. It's the parallels I thought were were crazy. Yeah, weirdly like. 
Kubrick's the one talking about humanity, but Nolan's the humanist with you know the father daughter story. Yeah. And um, but yeah, Kubrick's doing the more high concept. This is all of us, but it is weirdly sterile and impersonal until yeah. you get to Dave. Like I feel like he's the anchor, if anything, in the film for. Right. An actual person. <laughs> oh, and even even yeah. the video chat uh, in Act Two, where he's chatting back with his daughter, that was reminiscent to him watching the videos yeah. and the oh, messages yeah. in Interstellar. Yep. Just totally. so many different pieces. It just felt, and again, it's one of my favorite films. It just saw such a throwback to it. Right. I didn't even think about that. But anyway, yeah, carry on to <laughs> feelings of two thousand one. I do, yeah, I do think like the what is the third act, the the voyage to Jupiter and the stuff with Hal is probably the the best part of this film. Again, like with this watching, just having much more appreciation for every part of this movie. The the last act and like the weird stuff with like the The wormhole. Really, oh, yeah, even after that? Even after that where he's like in like the room and where he's like he's like his younger self, then he sees like his older self, then like he disappears and it's like just him as his older self. Then he sees his way like older self, like dying. And that's like all that's so like, well, and, and that's my question is, and, and this, I think what Kubrick wanted you to, to sit and mull on yep. was, was he seeing those things or was it just his way of portraying? He was in this room as he aged. Like, are yeah. we even sure when he's quote unquote sees right. himself, right. are we sure that's not just the camera spinning right. on him right. and living out the rest of his life in this before he's reborn as giant floating space baby. Right the savior yeah there's some contact elements too like yeah. when jodie foster goes to her yeah. dreamland and her picture right those, these three films contact interstellar and, and, and uh, to that point too with interstellar you know very end of the movie thrown into a really weird scenario well interstellar he, he drops into the tesseract some weird construct yeah, so that's right exact same that's no one come on man love that movie but you ripped it off I really did like I really did like some of the transitions too between the acts. I did like the when you go from the Donna Man and he throws the bone up into the air. Then we get mm-hmm. the shot with the satellites. Yep. And, you know, this again too is additional reading is like I didn't realize there were all these different satellites you see. Well, I think you see like three different ones. Mm-hmm. And the idea is is that there's like, you know, twenty something like nuclear nations and they all have those are all nuclear satellites. Yeah. I, that are like pointed towards the earth that are like it's kind of like mutually assured destruction all over again like which means the bone as the weapon then becomes the nukes as the weapon yes speaking of that that again looking into the movie and finding the stuff out uh the conversation he's that the the general or whatever that takes the shuttle up is having with those people that is also supposed to be a mirror image of the conflict of the dawn of man act instead of violence between the two groups of apes, this was an American, and I think they were Russians they were supposed yep. to be. Yep. The whole thing was supposed to show how humans now have evolved to our aggression is passive. And it's passive aggressive where they were demanding, they, what the hell is going on? What's this outbreak that, right. they're, that they are hearing about? And he couldn't say. And they keep pressing and keep pressing. And that was, I think, deliberate by Kubrick to kind of show that whereas back in the day we just fought each other with clubs, now we kind of do it passively. It's the same thing in the boardroom, too, where they have that meeting and he um, gets pressed by that one general, you know, about their mission and the same thing. But it's yeah, it's like one question and then nobody else. All right, everyone move along on our way to Jupiter. Didn't anyone else think those chairs were way too nice looking to have been brought there from Earth? Like, who who wastes the resources to bring these fancy hoity-toity leather chairs? Well, I mean, they did have a Howard Johnson, right? And uh, (laughs) was it the Hilton Hilton Space Station? Hilton, the hotel, right? 
wasn't it? So. Was it? It was Hilton. Oh yeah, wasn't it was. It? Yeah. yeah. Then who was uh, what what was the space plane? It was like uh, Pan Am. Yeah, or Pan Am. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, all the current great, great <laughs> of still around thing, right? modern brand, <laughs> modern brands. Yeah. <laughs> So I did. I kept a, so for all the the love we just put on. I did keep a list of things that I thought were kind of huh weird decisions. Yeah. First of all, jogging and airboxing looks really lame, <laughs> right? Especially Agreed. especially right. in short shorts, right? Like who does that? No yeah. one does that. Very cool scene though. Yeah. Other than yeah. the the dunk, other than yeah. If he didn't throw his fists up, it wouldn't <laughs> have been so weird. Um, come on, you cannot spacewalk without a tether. Well, yeah, we didn't. Right. But still, you're gonna float away. <laughs> And then all the the and and this isn't really a, a deal breaker, but it kind of was. They take the time to get into the pod to have a conversation about Hal, but then specifically turn around where he can look directly at them. Right, right. They they could have gotten in and not spun it around, and they could have had their conversation. You wouldn't have seen it. But they Hal turn the pod now and listen to us talk. I thought that was a not a plot hole, but a little strange. Were they doing that to see whether or not he could listen to them? Or did they know already? Yeah. They, they they then asked, like, how do this? You know, they turned the mics yeah. off and then mm-hmm. asked him. But why did they even turn around to begin with? I thought that was a strange Because that's strange the only way you can point. get the door to shut. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true. I don't know, I'm just guessing. But yeah, maybe. Space protocol. And then I right. did think there was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of sperm imagery. Yeah. Anyone else yeah. catch that? All the flight attendants had, like, the round white helmets. That was oh, very... Yeah. I figured that was to keep their hair in check. Yeah, sure. But why did it have to be round white? And then the ship itself going off to Jupiter was a giant straight-tailed sperm flying to to impregnate Jupiter. So the opening of... Okay, two things here. The opening... Of Spaceballs, the ship, right? Yeah. Is it is it parroting that this probably, scene, or probably. is it Alien? I always thought it was Alien, but I think it's maybe this it movie. is this, yeah. But second was, uh, I think, is a cool scene is when the as a ship's docking and you got like this the stewardess or whatever on the plane that's like you know like kind of stumbling as she's walking. Yeah, the scene with the pen floating. Yeah, uh, how they did that was they just like taped a pen to like a pane of glass. That's so funny. And they like yeah. I, I actually thought that was a really cool scene. That was a cool scene. Yeah. And the, how his he the actor was perfect. How he'd like float his arms up yeah. as mm-hmm. he was sleeping. That yeah. was amazing. And the Velcro shoes. I think that's right. hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love the Velcro shoes. And as for as much as I'll dog the slowness of Act One and some of Act Two, I thought the scene with the stewardess taking the food and walking up. I, I thought that was brilliant. Oh yeah, amazing oh, yeah. use yeah. of practical Very effects. Cool. Yes. And again, Nolan Interstellar spinning his sets around probably got the same idea from there too. Yeah. Man, I gotta go. I gotta watch Interstellar again now. No, I'm talking in uh, Inception. Or Inception. Remember oh, the, yeah, the yeah. hallway oh, fight yeah, yeah. scene? He literally filmed yeah. that on a rotating stage, and yeah. I'm sure he got. I mean, he's not the first to do it or the last to do it. And he, they all got that idea, I'm sure, from Kubrick or someone yeah. like that. But or the uh, you couldn't even tell that it, there was something moving. It was just it was perfectly shot. Like when Billy Eilish was on SNL. Oh, that was a really cool performance. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see that. Show it was like show. a spinning. Well, I think what they, what they did is they had like a spinning room. Yeah. But it looked like she was walking on the walls. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Very cool. I gotta go YouTube that now. YouTube it. Who is this? Billie Eilish. No. She's a bad guy. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I think she makes some cool music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah, she's Except actually. We just had a conversation, though, uh, my wife and I, about her like dress style. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's stu- yeah. it's streetwear. I don't get it. I don't, which, I don't care, but like if I were to give it a label. I was like, it is uh, white trash, 
corn she, fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> white trash corn. Kind of. That's. Right? I mean, that's all of like right, streetwear big... now, right? They wear weird baggy things. I don't know. Right. Streetwear, quote unquote, Sorry, is like right. the fashion style, I think. Right. Are you guys like, saying what? like corn like was ahead of their time? Duh. No, it's just the 90s are back now. <laughs> so she wears Jinkos? Basically, basically, yeah, yeah, right. We had the pocket big enough to put like a six pack in, sagging bag and berry. Right. <laughs> Chris, how did this movie do? I know you really are passionate about box office results. Box office for this movie, so it had a budget of twelve million. Opening weekend, two hundred and two thousand. Um, it grossed domestically sixty point five million and worldwide sixty eight point seven million. I only made two hundred two thousand opening. That had been like limited. Maybe yeah. Um, I'm not sure. So that's what it says. It opened on April 11th. Um, it says JP on it behind. I'm not sure what that means. Anybody else know? No, but I've got I've got top top grossing films in '68 open, and it was number one. So right. 2001 was wow. the movie that year. So is this his first one to go gangbusters, or did Spartacus do really well in the theaters? I know we kind of talked about that in the past episode, but I don't. I don't know what it did box office wise, but I yeah. think it was renowned pretty well back then. Okay, yeah, I would say so. But this beat out did, the Love Bug that year. Herbie, oh, Herbie, Ocho, Ocho, and Rosemary's ocho. Baby. Oh, and Planet of the Apes. Speaking of monkeys, oh, there you go. Yeah. So I wow. guess it wasn't that Same. far off, yeah, but true. way better effects for oh, yeah. those apes. Yeah, I do love Planet of the Apes though. So, uh, just for context, Spartacus opening weekend did ninety-two thousand. Uh, okay. Okay. Where was that? Um, You're still looking at nineteen sixty, costing like a buck seventy-five. Uh, it had a budget of twelve million. It was number one in sixty. Yeah. Spartacus was his first banger then. Okay. okay. Right ahead of ahead of Psycho that year. Wow. Wow. Crazy. <clears throat> so, like Spartacus, I wonder if that's when he started getting to like, okay, I'm gonna start doing movies. Kind of more of like what I want. Sure, I guess I'll make movies. That's what he thought after <laughs> right. Spartacus. Yeah. I guess this I got a good thing going I guess here. I'll stick with I it. I got a good thing going here. Yeah, yeah. I'm Stanley Kubrick. I'm pretty good at this. Yo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not half bad. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question about Hal, though? Because, Casey, you kind of touched on yeah. this in our chat. You said it was in his programming. Hal is not the bad guy. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Explain. So, oh. Hal, so it, it gets, and I think the reason it's, it, it makes sense is when you think back this to, gets into machine learning right no not at all um think back to the general scene in act two where he's talking about why they're lying about the reason that they're going so it's top secret no one's supposed to know about this discovery out in out past jupiter this brought or sorry the the broadcast that the monolith is making they've they've identified that it's shooting a message out to jupiter so they're like fuck it let's go to jupiter but they're not telling anyone about it and that's the reason the three people were frozen on the plane or on the on the ship. They knew about the mission, and the two other dude, Dave and his partner, had no idea why they were going. And the plan was to get there, then swap, hibernate the two guys, uh, Dave and what's his face, revive the other people. So Hal was told to lie, and that goes against computer programming. So then once he knew he had to lie to these guys. He, uh, they were starting to figure out, uh, and, and that gets back to the conversation that he was having with Dave when he was like, don't you think the circumstances of this mission are kind of weird? I think he was trying to clue Dave in without telling him because he wasn't allowed to tell him. So then finally, when they threatened to unplug him, he knew if he doesn't kill them, the mission's over and he's a pro- he's a computer. 
Mission is critical. Mission is above the humans on the board. He has to complete his mission and get there. So killing them and killing everyone else on the board, that was his way of, it was fight or flight mode for artificial intelligence. And to him, he was doing what he was programmed to do. He had to succeed in the mission and that included. So really the bad people were the, the, obviously the humans who were trying to get him to lie and not just be truthful about it. This is right. That conversation's over. <laughs> right? I mean, and that's, I don't know if that's fact. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the takeaway that I've kind of garnered as I've done a little bit of digging into this. Oh, it makes sense because awesome. it's, it's like the anti alien because this came out not too far after. And spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't seen Alien, which is like 40 years old. But Ash um, does the, it's the opposite situation with Ash and Ripley because Ash is also programmed to bring this creature back, which is why when Ripley tries yeah. to keep it off the ship, he overrules her, opens the door, and brings it in. So, I don't know. That's super interesting. And that's part of why, uh, I believe that's part of why he, like, made up the malfunction is because I think the, from, again, what I've read, and this is, it wasn't spoon-fed to me. Um, I didn't figure it out. It was spoon-fed because I went and read it. And it might be in the novel, too. They might explain this a little bit more. But uh, Hal figured if there was no communication, then he didn't have to lie about it, and he didn't have to, like keep the secret from mission control if they couldn't talk to mission control then they wouldn't accidentally find out the mission a lot of weird stuff and so that's why there was no fault he made that up to try to help because he was having this internal struggle of well i'm programmed to lie but i'm also programmed to assist these people in everything i do and make sure the mission's going forward i love this movie even more now and that's and to chris's point when i finished it i went to bed thinking eh, meh i won't watch it again or if i will i'll fast forward through a lot of it um but then the more i the more i ponder on it and, and it gets back to a conversation we had in a previous pod about how I, movies that get me thinking long after it or what what i love i've spent the next few days kind of digging into it and then the more i dig into it the more brilliant i see some of these things that i completely missed in my first watch the space odyssey rabbit hole basically yeah, nice. did you have an upright in bed moment wait a second no okay I sleep pretty like around. Like <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> what year is it? No, sorry, it's a Jumanji quote. All right, so what what made or what was the make or break moment for this movie? So you 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 like this, Jamie? So what what what's one thing you could say makes this movie for you? If you um, make it one thing. If I could make it one thing, I think it's um, the conflict with Hal, and yep. I'm I'm a big horror movie fan, and that's kind of when. It goes horror movie. It mm-hmm. creates a situation where you're not sure how he's going to get out of it or what he's going to do. And he, um, Dave, eventually, you know, finds his way and does it. But, yeah, that's just really scary. How can I outthink this intelligent robot that's controlling the entire ship? So I think that's what it is for me. And even before Hal goes nuts, it's kind of eerie. Yeah. The, the Where they're talking about, do you think he has emotions? Can he feel? It's setting it up, and it's made... Yep. And, and obviously, we, we going into it, we knew that that was kind of what was going to happen. Hal goes crazy. You've seen the memes. You know what's going on. You've seen the references and all these other cartoons and shows that have happened since. Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking Futurama. There's a Hal scene on their ship, too, where they have a, a robot like that. But then, so knowing that this robot is going to maybe be the bad guy if you rewatch it again, look for the red dot in all these other scenes. He's everywhere. Yeah. So any scene, just a throwaway scene jogging through that thing, you're like, oh, there's another. Oh, yeah, I did He's catch that. Yep. So yeah. if, once you start paying attention, you see he is everywhere. How do you escape this thing if he decides right. to turn on you? It's terrifying. Just like today. Basically. Get all those smart yeah. devices. Out Thanks, NSA. Yeah, Alexa. Hey, Alexa. Yeah, the, to, to piggyback, yeah. I'll agree. It's so. the, I thought Act 3 was the strongest. Um, 
And then kind of, a, a, again, a nod to Interstellar. I thought that last bit in that white room, yeah. like that confused the shit out of me. And I, and actually I like that. I liked that it confused me. It made me a little uncomfortable. Like, well, what, what, what the, what? Um, so I, I think that's what actually kind of sealed the deal. I did think the wormhole scene was a little drawn out. Um, I thought that was that, that I, I would argue could have shaved a little bit out of it because right. I was like, what? Okay, cool. Another Mars landscape with a bunch of colors. Um, could have been aided by some aid. So what aid? broke this there. for you, Chris? So it, what if, yeah, what if they put this on Netflix and made it four episodes? Um, or three each act. Huh? Yeah. What if each act was an episode? Is there three Dawn acts? of Man. It's three one hour episodes. Well, I guess I call it three. Dawn of Man, the moon scene, and then Jupiter. Yeah, I guess I call I mean, it three. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. That doesn't change the <clears throat> fact that, like, like three half hour episodes. <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have watched the second episode. <laughs> yeah, what are you minutes. talking about? Like, no, like, I just think. So I would piggyback off the same thing you guys were saying. I think that that conflict with Hal is the best part of it. Um, I think the other thing that this movie did incredibly well is just there were some really like incredibly beautiful shots. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. knowing that this was 68, like there's not like there's something to just be said about their ingenuity, the eye that Kubrick has for just these very like stunning like panning shots that mm-hmm. I thought for me like it was pretty to look at. Like it was beautiful. It was stunning. Um Going back to your question, like what would have made this movie for me, or um, what broke it for you? What's what? If you yeah, say, like, I think what's like, the one thing that broke it for you? Yeah, I just think everything just was the, like everything was like two to three minutes longer than it should have been. Like almost every scene, um, and I think that that for me was just challenging because I feel like it was it had already served its purpose. It had already given me all right. Here's the data sets that I need. Like we can now move forward in the story or to the next scene or whatever. Um, and like, I'm okay with that. Every, like if it's in a movie and they're, they have like, all right, like maybe onesie twosies, that's okay. But I feel like a lot, there was a lot of parts within the movie that was like three minutes too long or five minutes too long. And I think for me, that was, that was the challenge. And I wonder too, and you always have to wonder with Kubrick, um, there's a fun documentary room two three seven where people kind of take it too far, but he is that smart. You have to yeah, wonder. Yeah, with the shining. Yeah, Casey was talking about sperm and phallic, you know, ships. Like, is he like kind of masturbating with these long shots cinematically? I don't know. That that might be yes. a leap, but but also yes, right? I mean, a little bit. Well, I do think like he's like notoriously known for like being really purposeful, like with yeah. his shots, yeah. and, like being just kind of a curmudgeon on set, like. And he, everything needs to be perfect. And if it's not, he'll do it again and he'll do it again. And I mean, I don't think that's probably too far off kilter. I mean, again, like one of the things that, you know, I just said is like, they were like, some of those shots were just stunning. They're incredible to look at. And like knowing, knowing what he was doing and like, we're making the space movie and it can be big. And it, 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 I mean, quite, quite frankly, demonstrative, I I think he's probably like, man, like this might be the only opportunity I get. Like, yeah. let's yeah. do it. Right. See, that's why I can forgive a lot of the slowness of the second act when they're in space. It's hard. I, I can't see the reason for the slow panning shots establishing 
the desolate Dawn of Man scene. See, and maybe yeah. that's all it is, is establishing that it's desolate. But and, I was going to say, yeah. he, the only thing that makes sense is based on like what Chad was saying, like all this like back back work that went into it. Like, so he just had like, to show it. So, yeah. yeah, like he's sending people to Africa. They're like doing these amazing like yeah. technical things to create this set. He's like, God, this is like half of our fucking budget. <laughs> well, that's funny because that's we need to have it in the movie. They did all that stuff last after everything oh, else was funny. shot. Really? Yeah. Huh. So they didn't yeah. run out of money. No. And I guess I, I mean I, I I guess I answered my own question. It was to establish that this area where these apes were living was desolate and it was hard and they were striving. Um, but I, I think it was a little much on some of it. But I mean, part of this entire movie though is just walking you through like the life cycle of sure. anything right like humanity uh, how it's evolution of, same thing repeats yeah, itself. yeah and like so it might just be too again like setting that sure. basis of like i don't like in i don't know like we can continue to to project these ideas and and create these you know hypotheses for what it is like maybe it's like life is slow and like it's yeah. You know, it takes time and blah blah blah, whatever it might be. But I'm like, I'm sure there's a purpose to it that I'm just. This not... is the purpose. This is why he did it. Probably from right. from everything I can gather, he wanted this film to not be just a story, but to be an experience. And I think that's this is part of it is that it drives you to think about it and talk about it. Right, and I think that's from what I've read. That's what he his purpose in a lot of his films yeah. from a certain point is that. He doesn't want it to be like rife with like details to make it like this is the absolute this is the story. I'm gonna tell you all the details of the story. And so that it gives you the opportunity to like you know, like when I watch this movie, the reason why I like it so much, especially now, because like this reminds me of like ten year old Chad in the elementary school library, like just looking at these old space books of like space stations and moon mm-hmm. bases and you know, like what it would be like to live on the moon and like all these like scientific like facts and like it just makes me it's like daydreaming and it just kind of makes me like dream and like fantasize of like these yeah you know like creating new things in my head so it just kind of i romanticize this movie in a so way. it's like, better that it doesn't spoon feed it to you in this way because you can just kind of go into it and have that yeah, experience yeah and it's a, and just, a unique experience yeah. for you but it also drives me just to like go deeper into like kind of like you said too the same experiences you've have of like you go down that rabbit hole yeah. of finding all these other facts about the film. And I think that makes it, you know, a lot more interesting on, on top of what is in the movie itself. Part of me just thinks Kubrick is sadistic and he's like, well, evolution's slow. So my movie will sure. be. Honestly, yeah. I don't yeah. think that, I don't think that's yeah. a bad take. I don't think <laughs> like, that's a bad take at all. That's why everything is too long. <laughs> and everything is just, but it also gives you the chance to like, to process in the moment. To, well, to like, I don't know, to, strike to pull an emotion out of you that like yeah. I'm going to have this reaction to and it's going to make me think of something like I think in our con- like chat um conversation we were talking before this was like I find this movie kind of meditative too like just in it probably from like the slower parts yeah. and like the score and like I love That's old classical such a unique, music like, and, like freezing what like that like you find the movie meditate like meditative like explain that more because like that I've not heard that before of like that experience with the movie just like watching it just i don't know like well, it's not throwing a ton of facts at you that you right. process you're able to just kind right. of live As in I'm the scene something happen happening like that's where i have these moments where i can like pull myself out of like i'm not just sitting in my living room i'm not just like on a bus like watching this on my phone like i it's taking me somewhere else and like 
recalling like old memories or making me think of other stuff or, or uh, other things or thinking of like space travel and like the future of like, you know, human existence and, so. And maybe the, the lack of dialogue actually helps facilitate the immersion, right? Because yeah, then yeah. You're, you can kind of get lost in it because you're not trying to keep track of, okay, what did this guy say? Who's that character again? I mean, right. I forget half the characters' names. Um, right. Right. No, I think that's really well put because I now that you said that, I've, I found myself doing the same thing in the opening scene with the timpani because I was a concert band nerd for... <laughs> at least 12 years double digits but yeah and i just all i thought of was the timpani i was like oh, this is a weird song it sounds like someone falling over their drum but it still works you know but yeah, yeah it took me out of there and yeah. took me to a, a decade plus of playing in the band you know i had a theory halfway through the film which it's clearly it was wrong uh <laughs> but did anyone else think that hal's malfunction quote which maybe wasn't a malfunction yeah. i thought that so you know the monolith caused humans to evolve in the beginning i thought then the monolith caused caused the ai to evolve i was kind of thinking so that's where i can oh i love that because like the again i forgot to even talk about this but the monolith is i feel like is almost like the main character of the film because it's driving like each part like it's 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 given you know like the it's handing off that intelligence in the beginning then it's sending the signal when it's discovered on the moon to like okay they this human has now reached the intelligence to where they can travel in space and reach the moon. Now it's time to send the next signal. So they follow the beacon. Then when they get to the monolith in space at Jupiter, that's like it's just kind of like. And actually, that's that. I'm going to keep bringing back to to Interstellar again, but that's what I love about the monolith in that. What, right, they don't ever explain what it is, but clearly, in from diving in and researching it, um, the monolith is some species that's transcended the need for a physical body. They've transcended beyond that. They exist in pure thought or whatever, however they exist, and that's almost identical to Interstellar. Right, Interstellar, right. they talk about how the it was sent by future humans who have mastered the fourth dimension, which is fucking awesome. Like. They've transcended past just our three dimensions. They can walk time as if it's a, th- a, a dimension uh, that we see and perceive too. Um, so I just love that thought of, so the monolith, is it really just sending these signals for the sake of sending it? Or is this a multi-billion year science experiment to these creatures? And is that last room simply just the observation area for them to f- observe the end results of their experiment? I don't know, but I can buy into that theory. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And then the reward is Dave becomes a new being. Superhuman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's transcended and is yeah. reborn as something, which, again, we're assuming that's what that means. And we're assuming right. that him as a giant baby looking down on Earth, is he really there as a giant baby? Or is that just the form that he's thinking he is? Like, I right. love the ambiguity of that yeah. and how kind of absurd that this giant sack baby is floating up in space. Again, to that point, this is why... I like movies that make me think about it because then yeah. you can mm-hmm. kind of ponder. And, and I don't, I, I don't want to, I want to backtrack a bit. I don't, when I say spoon fed, I don't mean that in a derogatory way because f- movies that feed you the story like that do it for a reason and they're super enjoyable. Um, but I think these purposefully ambiguous films that get you thinking, get your brain going, I think they're, uh, they're certainly unique. And that's, I think why this is kind of regarded as a classic. All right. Let's like weigh into our practical effects conversation just the practical effects in this movie how they hold up today and versus cgi what do you think would be the best practical movie 
effects movies that you can think of on the top of your head that you rec- would recommend for someone? Well, we've already done the thing on yeah. Time Machine. I would still put that forward as one of the best examples of practical effects. Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> so it, not the whole movie because clearly the CGI in it too, but Lord of the Rings, the way they use practical effects for the yeah. height. Like oh, they yeah. didn't shrink yeah, the hobbits. Yeah. They they filmed that specifically in those angles to, yeah. to kind of present that and preserve the real actors in those scenarios without having to digitize it. Yeah. Well, and even they have like two thousand people in orc costume. Yep. Whereas now they would just CGI everything. Yeah, CGI well, like everything. they did and sure, in the, the Hobbit, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess in the third Lord of the Rings, those big battles, sure there had to be some CGI there, and like the ghost pirates was yeah. CGI too. But I mean, a lot of that was you know people in costumes, which is phenomenal. Jaws, real shark, Dark Crystal, Star Wars, puppets, puppets, yeah, Star original Wars. Star, yeah. Wars, Star Wars, right? Yeah. Models and and shots, <clears throat> no CGI there. Alien, Even the original, the painting of the title was literal words that they just yeah they just over. moved us yeah, yeah the it's beautiful. Over. Isn't T two? Isn't that an actual? Yep. Yeah. T yeah. two as well. I've got a list that I'm looking through. This I'm cheating here, but Independence Day was practical. The the blowing up of the White House is right, real. It was a right. scale model. I guess could you argue that that CGI, like I want to, what's the inverse? Are, prove to me that CGI is even worth using using anymore, other than that it's cheap. Like, my, give my, me a that's good the use only of reason. CGI. I think that's the only reason why. My best like, example, um, Casey. I think I can't remember if you mentioned Thor Ragnarok for this episode or the previous one. But, yeah, I mentioned before. Okay, I think that that's a good example of. Um, you know, with the all the Marvel movies that have been made, I'm I'm a huge fan. I love the Marvel sure. movies, but some of them just lack a style relative to the comic that they were created. I think Ragnarok was a good example of Taika Waititi taking, you know, all of the celestial colors and like he was yep, playing yep. with the colors and playing with the CGI and it worked really, really well um, relative to the movie. And I, it had a style, I guess yeah. that the other ones didn't, even though, you know, some of the stuff was him as a rock giant, which you know that's that's never going to look 100% but um you know the um god what's the word for the rainbow bridge that i can't yeah. come up with the, i don't remember what it was called not the test bifrost yeah bifrost yeah yeah just like the bifrost and you know fenrir the wolf all of that stuff i think that he kind of took those colors and images and used it in a way that was different from the other films not to tangent but that's such a unique outlier of the whole marvel series i mean for the most yeah. part they're boom boom explosion or kind of dark and dreary in the case of the further on iron man's where he's all ptsd depressed that was such a one-off hilarious you don't even need to be in the marvel universe to watch it what what a great film anyways sorry which one is that thor ragnarok thor, okay yeah. <clears throat> and i didn't like the other thors so it's great yeah i'm on my my marvel my mcu journey so sure i loved iron man Iron Man 2, I just kind of skipped through. It was terrible. That movie was awful. Three? I haven't seen 3 yet. So then I'll be interested. I'm following the order of release, right? Mm-hmm. I think the next one was Thor. Wait, are you following order of release or timeline order of how they occurred? Release. Okay. Okay, what? Uh, the, my wife and I are watching it in the, the order in which they like happen in the universe timeline, which you're really close because the, the first ones came out first, but you actually watch them in weird orders to actually follow them in the in the oh. order that they really happened in that universe because you would watch captain marvel first, first then, right yeah. okay which we didn't but still you can this, still get there don't worry okay that this it, is it this is the this is the decision i made but 
You can yeah, still change Thor, your Like I watched, got 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, I could. Like 15 minutes of the Thor, I was like, I can't do this movie. So The first, I didn't like the first two yeah, even. It's yeah. pretty bad. I mean, you kind of have to watch one as the character story to figure out who Thor is. But you mm-hmm. learn more about him in Ragnarok, I think. Cause, right. I don't know. Ragnarok's yeah, worth it. I'll just skip to the end credit scene and yeah. go from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, practical yeah. effects too. Uh, as a nod to 2001, the uh, the hallway fight scene in Inception, we talked about that, but that was oh, yeah. all practical too, yeah, actually right. rotating mm-hmm. scenes. That was brilliant. And a lot of those shots, other than obviously the city folding on itself, but um, I think at one point when he's in the bar with uh, Cillian Murphy, um, and like the chandeliers start moving, they literally shifted the set as they were sitting there at the bar too. So Nolan clearly understands the the awesomeness of practical and learned that from Kubrick too. I'm Chris, pretty sure said... Doctor Strange is all uh, practical. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that one. All practically CGI. Yeah. <laughs> so as a person that says that black and white films like yeah. take them out of the, your experience, mm-hmm. or does like films that have like heavy CGI does that do the same thing to you? Um, great question. Uh, how do you feel about the rock as in the mummy when he turns into the scorpion? Oh I heard that's really good. <laughs> the worst CGI I can um, think of. Yeah, I mean, if it's bad, I think it's like, that CGI is like the you remember a few years back that was like the woman that took like this uh old uh painting of like uh Jesus Christ from this church <laughs> to restore it. Oh, yeah, it. <laughs> she just ruined it. it. That's it's the bronze like. of Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then Kate McKinnon did like a did her character in like one of the weekend updates. So good. Um, yeah, I think it can. <laughs> I think like with anything, right? Like there are people that are very masterful at their craft, and you can tell. And there are people who are less skilled. Um, yeah, there is certainly really bad looking CGI and good looking CGI. And I think, um, I, but I, I actually, I don't think it has. I guess it depends on how um, how prominent it is within the movie, right? Like, right. is it like one scene and it's like, all right, like that's forgivable. I don't, I won't see it again, whatever. Or like, if it's like a continuous thing, it might be challenging for me. But even like, I don't know I'm I'm thinking about Ready Player One or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, well, you couldn't so do that much. without CGI. No, right. I know, but I was gonna say like that. Like, I didn't think it looked bad. Like that didn't take me out of it. Like. I was fine with it. It's like at that point, like what point, we don't have to go too deep into this, but like what point do you just like, let's just make this an animated movie. Sure. You know, like, like, like Toy Story, like just anime. I mean, you can have a great movie, like the Toy Story movies. Those are some of the greatest movies. Like it doesn't. Well, even you think about like how they did like the, the new Spider-Man movie, right? The, um, yeah, the Spider-Verse, right? Yeah. Into the Spider-Verse. Like that's all animated, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I absolutely think you guys are far more knowledgeable and in, in, into the practical. I just really wanted to drop bring into this conversation because you look. Well, like I just I don't feel like like that kind of stuff. Like, that doesn't that doesn't hold my interest. I also, quite honestly, like I don't watch a ton of like sci fi stuff, and I don't watch a ton of um like i like the the marvel movies but like that's not like my sweet spot for movies you know like if i were to like the movies that i i really enjoy or love um like tend to to be more based around like relationship stuff or like around um like a coming of age story and those kind of things so i'm not watching like like you guys you guys talk a lot about or you know 
you two in particular, but even like Star Wars and things like that, like <laughs> it's never done it for me. And like honestly, like the whole sci-fi stuff has never been a huge like because uh, you lack imagination. Stop. It might be. I don't know. Star it just doesn't do it for me. I do but think it's... the problem with some CGI though is it can ruin old things when it doesn't age well. Case in point, the mummy. Right. right? right. You can't wash it with yeah. a straight face right. anymore and go. You right. just laugh at the yeah. rock's stupid face. I'd agree with right. that. Yeah. So some. So some things just don't age. So why use it if it's not going to age well? In some of those instances, mm-hmm. I would argue, ruins some. The reason films. why a movie like 2001 that was made. You know, yeah. fifty years plus years ago, can still hold up today because, you know, you're well. They really, well, they, they probably could have used some sort of animation or something sure. like that. But like the practical effects using that. Movie when did just, when did so that movie came out in sixty eight? Yeah. Sixty eight. When did the first uh, Star Wars come out? Seventy seven. Because I felt like this movie looked visually way better than star wars well did. there's no aliens and stuff too like there's a lot more than just spaceships yeah part of the are issue... you talking like some of the ships and the practical models they yeah use in star wars? yeah everything like part of the thing that i didn't like about star wars is that i just like it looked bad in comparison to what we had have now but like i, I didn't disagree. Maybe it's the action. i know but i didn't I feel that way with yeah. i didn't feel that way with 2001 i thought mm-hmm. 2001 like like everything in that felt believable and like looked great. There's a scene though where it's like the you know like as the planes come in to uh, dock at the space station where it's just like the dock looking out in space. Yeah, that was like oh my god that looks just like a scene from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. But, and I and I was gonna that scene was way too long. You see the spec right. slowly <laughs> drawn in. I was like, are we Coming really gonna shot. watch this whole thing? Right. Yeah, that's funny. Almost there. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I do have a more realistic CGI question, though. How do you guys feel about, um, like, has anyone seen The Irishman when they kind of do that de-age or age people or even yeah. in Rogue One, Star Wars, but they're when they CGI a dead actor into a movie? Oh, wait, who is that in Rogue One? Peter Cushing, uh, Tarkin, Moff oh. Tarkin. I don't know. That's how I feel about they, holograms well, at Coachella. Exactly. <laughs> I, <laughs> Just kidding. I thought Tarkin looked, that looked awesome in Rogue One. Oh, I, I didn't know that it I was disagree. CGI. Yeah, I didn't know it was CGI either. I mean, wait, when I was watching it, I was questioning. I was like, "That because I know he's dead, right?" It was like, "Does that what? Yeah. No, that looks really good." When they, if they would have just kept that character kind of more in the dark, though, like they did at first, that's what I was hoping well, they yeah, would do. But that doesn't whatever. What I'm asking really too, think. because James, James Dean is actually gonna be air quotes in a movie coming up um in that's 2020 or 20. Yeah. yeah that's i don't get that i guess his family and his estate okayed it but how can that how can you okay it for someone who's been dead for years maybe we could do river phoenix next oh see and this, now yeah. you said that and i'm like no that'd be really cool to see river <laughs> phoenix in a movie <laughs> no let him be dead yeah let the dead be living, yeah die in peace in the <laughs> things in the aging things strange to me why like, can't you do it with makeup i mean yeah, I think we've right. been you doing do it makeup, with makeup. Or otherwise, you can just... Yeah, but when you get older, your head your head gets bigger, your nose gets bigger. Your well, I was bigger, just going to so. say, you could Aesthetics. also just cast someone else. And, like, that's the thing, like... It I, didn't bother me in The Irishman, though. Like, it don't, I thought they did that actually very well. The only thing was is that, like, say, De Niro, like, it's, like, younger De Niro, but his gait is an old De Niro. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know? True, like, true. He's still got, like, the... Well, and I, anyway, yeah, theater of the mind. It might have been unintentional comedy in The Irishman too. It's kind of funny to see like a sixty-year-old just beat someone up. I don't know. <laughs> to bring it back to two thousand one, like they aged Dave, and that was 
Yeah. In the yeah. very end scene, yeah. that looked yeah. great and obviously wasn't CGI. You know what's great about that? They did a great job because uh, how that actor looks today, he looks like how... Did they <laughs> mirror it? Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>